Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I'm so excited and so grateful that you hit play on today's episode. Today's episode is part two, um, coming from last week, where we... Ooh, we, we got messy, right? Or I felt I felt I got messy, right? I started, um, shared something that was on my heart um, that I'm still kind of thinking about. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think this is something I'll be thinking about for a long time. Um, but that was, you know, this whole notion that that coping strategies aren't the answer to solving, solving, right, in quotes, um, behavior challenges. Um, and instead that they are simply a strategy to use to regulate or to reduce the flow of our emotions and our hormones flowing through our bodies so that we can teach the skills, right? We can get to the inner work. That's what today's episode is all about. We're going to talk about some simple ways that we can integrate into our classrooms, into our school setting. If you're an administrator, these are things I use with my students in my office um, to really help students start to incorporate some of these inner work concepts into their into their daily activities, into their daily experiences, if you will. And so what I want to start out with, though, is this episode is not to take away the work of the amazing mental health staff in schools. That's not it at all. And it's not to add more to teachers' plates, okay? I'm hoping I made that clear in the first episode. But if you didn't catch that one yet and you're starting here, hear this out. This is not to say, like, as a teacher, go and do more. As a mental health staff, you're not doing enough. My gosh, that is, like, farthest from the truth, right? This is to say, as a collective, as a school community, How do we continue to work together to help students? Because at the end of the day, I am not a mental health provider, right? I'm I'm not currently a teacher in a classroom. I'm an administrator. I'm an assistant principal with with a, you know, I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I have experience as a behavior specialist. And so the strategies I'm using today are very, they're, they're on the, I call it like the simple meter. Like we're not going to be going in depth at individual levels with students because that's not, that is not what I want your focus on. I want your focus on like, what is a simple thing I can do today to help my student become more reflective? So I'm using the word inner work because that's what I use for myself. And that's just what's natural for me. But at the end of the day, let's let's flip it. We can reframe it. If that seems really daunting, like, oh my gosh, now as a teacher, I've got to do inner work with my students too. Let's just, let's, let's shift it, right? Let's reframe it. Pick a word that aligns to you. What if it's, I'm going to teach my students to be more reflective? You probably already do that academically, right? My guess is you have your students review, you know, tests, they do drafts, they do, they review their work, they reflect on it, they reflect on peers' work, right? I know you're already doing that. So what if we just take it one step, we go one step bigger, and now we're reflecting on behaviors too. And I know there's many of you listening that already do that, right? There's reflective sheets out there. There's so much out there that's already being done, and we're going to celebrate that. We want to celebrate the work we're already doing, and hopefully today I can give you maybe a couple other ideas to think about 
and maybe try out with some of the students in your class or in your school, whoever it is that you're interacting with. So again, the purpose of this episode is to simply share some simple tips and ideas on how to help a student start to learn how to incorporate that inner work, right? Or that reflective work, that reflective process, both positively and reactively. Like we've, or I'm sorry, not positively, proactively and reactively within the school setting, okay? Because here's the truth. As a teacher, I did not do this. I didn't. Even early in my career as a behavior specialist, I still didn't do it. It wasn't until the last couple of years as a behavior specialist in my current district, as well as now as an assistant principal, now I do this type of work. And I'm 17 years in, right? So, but do I believe that what I did before was wrong? No, because I was doing what I knew. And now that I know this, and I know the importance of being reflective and this inner work, I I added in because I know how valuable it is. But there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no doubt in what I did before. I honor where I was. I honor where I am now. And I get so stinking excited for where I'm heading because I love growth. It's all about growth. It's not about what didn't I do? What haven't I done? No, it's what did I do to get me to where I'm at as the educator that I am? What am I doing now that aligns to me authentically? And then where am I headed? And let's get super excited about that. Like, I'm so excited to think like in the next year, I'm going to learn things that I never even imagined I could learn. Like that just, that makes me so excited. And I want to, I want to share that with the students. I I want them to wake up so stinking excited for their lives too, because so many of them aren't. So many of them. And I remember, I remember those years. I remember, you know, seventh, eighth and ninth grade. I had no idea who I was. I just remember going home, like, is, is mom going to be sober today? You know, what, what's going to be happening? Am I going to have to put, you know, my brother to bed? Like those were my thoughts in, in middle school, junior high. And so I know it's out there, but if I can have any, any, if I can build any student's momentum into like having them fall in love with their life where they are right now, I'm going to do it because that's, that's what I show up as. That's what I bring. That's my passion. That's what I bring into my position every single day. So we're going to start out with talking proactively. And again, I don't, I don't know that this episode is going to go all that long because I want to keep these pretty short and sweet. I don't want it to be one more thing that you're like, Lindsay, I I can't do it. (laughs) You're probably already doing these things. So part of my goal too, is to get you to celebrate, man, I'm already doing it. And if not, could I add that in? And if the answer right now is no, guess what? You can listen to this episode again. It's still there. It doesn't mean you have to do this today. It doesn't mean you have to do it tomorrow. It's just something that you're listening to that's kind of planted now in your in your conscious, but will sh- shift to your unconscious mind. And when you're ready, you'll have it. Or you come back and listen again, and you've got it again. So proactively, what can we do to help students become more reflective? So that, again, because the whole point of this is that they learn to reflect on their behaviors. They learn to understand what is triggering them and why. So you might be thinking then, well, why does proactive measures work, right? If we're triggered, that means something happens after. Well, we have to have, we want to have, we don't have to have, we want them to have, just like I want you to have for yourself, a strong foundation, right? Anything we build has to be built on a strong foundation. We've heard that before. We hear that with houses. We're going to use the same analogy. And again, anything here I'm sharing for your students, yes, spoiler alert, it also works for you. (laughs) So... We build that strong foundation. Well, number one on my list to build that strong foundation is gratitude. 
So James Wedmore, again, one of my favorites, shares there's five levels of gratitude. So I'm gonna share those with you real quick because I'm just curious where you find yourself. So level one is kind of more like level zero. It's like really no appreciation. So no degree of gratitude. Again, not wrong. That's just where, where people start. And, you know, I've asked students this over the years. Like since I've learned the value of gratitude, I've asked students along the way, like, hey, what are you grateful for today? And there are some students that cannot come up with anything yet. They're at that level because they aren't sure. Like they haven't been taught what gratitude is at that level. And so that's where we start, right? So it's not, again, it's not a shame game or a shame, you know, shame or doubt or guilt or anything. It's just, where am I at? Let's gain awareness so I know where I'm going. So level one is, again, no appreciation or no gratitude. Level two is gratitude for the good, right? Gratitude for the things that are helpful. Gratitude kind of probably typically what comes to mind when you are grateful. Level three is gratitude for what is coming, right? What are you creating space for? Gratitude for something in the future that maybe you're excited about. Level four is gratitude for the quote unquote bad, for the things that are challenging you. One of my favorite examples with this is I um, get migraines a lot. I get headaches a lot. And so I am grateful for the migraines because they teach me, they remind me that I'm probably not taking great care of myself. Um, I usually get them when I'm not eating great, when I haven't drank water, when I'm not sleeping, right? All my basic needs. So getting that migraine, I now look at as gratitude for reminding me to prioritize my health because it's usually slipped a little bit. And then level five, as James explains, is the realization and the gratitude for that there is no good or bad. That it is that it is all part of life. It is all teaching us lessons. It is all there um, to to help us learn and grow. And so, you know, just sharing that kind of what stood out to you, what level? Like I lived at level two for a very long time. Um, I now am at about a level four, uh, working on level five, right? Really learning to understand and comprehend this, this, that I can break down this concept of good, bad, right, wrong. Like that's, that's where I am. So just, just kind of being aware of where you are, but gratitude is a really simple way we can tie that into our classrooms or into our school setting. We can simply ask the question, what are you grateful for? It can be part of an exit ticket, right? It can be part of an entry ticket. It can be part of a morning meeting an end of the day meeting. It can be part of a simple conversation. The second one is teaching positive self-talk. So I know for years, the, the words I had going on in my head, ooh, they were negative. They were never positive. It was always, I can't do this and beyond, right? 10 times worse, probably. But we can teach students to listen to their thoughts and to practice having positive self-talk. This might come in, this, in the form of affirmations. This might come in the form of just having anchor statements, like what statement are they going to use when they start to feel this way? And it they return to help them return to the present. This can be done, again, simply by modeling. One of, I think the biggest is when I have a student with me in my office, I model for them. Hey, yesterday I was really frustrated. So you know what the first thought in my head was? And they usually say, I'm really frustrated. I said, mm, years ago, that would have been it, but it's not now. Now it's, I'm noticing frustration coming on. So what is the lesson here? Or where might it be coming from? What am I ready to learn? And I start to teach them about this concept that, you know, emotions are there, but they're not the be all end all. 
And we can do that again through that dialogue, through those conversations. And they happen over time. Like I said, this isn't something I'm going to sit down with a student, have an hour conversation and be done. No, it actually happens one to two minutes at a time throughout the course of a year, couple years, you know, and beyond. Energy check-ins. I use these as an adult. I've shared them on the podcast. Why not teach them to our students, right? Have them put their hands over their hearts and do a deep breath and feel their body. Do they feel tension anywhere? Do they feel tightness? What, what is it they're feeling and where are they feeling it, right? Just teach students to do those energy check-ins. Celebrations. I, there's a, there's a, a teacher that I work with that now is a coach, but was a kindergarten teacher. She did celebrations in her kindergarten classroom. So I know this is one that can be done in any grade level. You simply either individually or as a class, what are we celebrating? And anything goes, right? We can celebrate everything. And I think the more that we can teach students to do that, the more they get excited about the little things. I've said it before, I will say it again, it is time to celebrate the ordinary because that's what becomes the extraordinary. The only reason that I can do extraordinary things is because I show up every day doing the ordinary things. If I don't do those, I'm not ready. I don't have the energy or the capacity to do the big things. And I think that's what's really important with our students too. Like, Don't wait to celebrate until the end of the quarter. Don't wait to celebrate until they get the A or the B or the C, right? Grades is a whole other conversation for another day, right? But don't wait to celebrate till they graduate. Don't wait to celebrate until this. The point is don't wait to celebrate. (laughs) Teach them the energy of celebration so that they themselves can start to celebrate all the small steps that they are taking every single day. And the last one is deep breathing, right? It teach the coping skills, like teach those strategies. The, The whole point of the last episode and this episode is just don't stop at those. Don't stop at the teaching because we have to then teach how do I apply the breathing or how do I how do I apply once I've done the breathing to what comes next? That's the important part. That to me is what we're missing. And so we have to teach the breathing though so they know how to do it, right? Because deep breathing isn't just like all of a sudden going, right? That's not going to do anything. We've got to teach the purpose behind it in taking that big inhale and that big exhale, right? And letting them understand the purpose so we can return to that regulated rate so that we can then be ready to unpack, aka reflect on where the behavior came from, on where the feeling came from ultimately that led to the behavior, okay? So that's those are the proactive ones, right? They're, they're pretty simple. And I know you might be thinking, I know about Lindsay, it's one more thing. Well, don't think of it as one more thing. Reframe that concept, identify what are you already doing? I guarantee there is something on that list you're already doing. So celebrate the heck out of that. And then ask yourself, is there anything on that list that feels good to add on right now? And guys, be real. If the answer is no, that's okay. Again, this episode isn't going anywhere. You get to decide. So don't feel like because you listen to this on a Sunday, Monday, you've got to go implement it. I think we do that often, right? I know I do. I go to a conference and the very next day, I'm like, I got to change everything. Got to change everything to do it all. No, (laughs) we consume and create at our own pace when it feels aligned, when it feels good to you, okay? Or when you see a need for it. Okay, so those are the proactives. So then we're going to talk briefly on reactive. And here's why. This is so individual. Basically, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to share my favorite resource 
the thing that I go to every single time when I want to teach in-depth, not in-depth, uh, individual, it's about our individual reactions to behaviors, I go to acceptance commitment therapy. So I do have training on this. I got training on this a few years ago. And it's under this notion, they use this um, piece called the Hexaflex. If you Google it, you'll see exactly what it is. But it is a therapy, if you will, that has different strategies, different modules, different components for six different categories. Those being acceptance, contact with the present moment, values, committed action, self, who am I, and diffusion. All super, super important, right? So these all provide the training right? The built in. And here's what I love about it is yes, there's a curriculum. Yes, you can do it from start to finish, but I'm going to be honest. I don't do that. I don't have, I don't have the capacity to pull a student and teach this whole curriculum. But what I can do is if I see a student coming to me for the kind of same kind of reasons, I'm getting referrals for the same types of behaviors. And when I have conversations about the student or with the student, the same things are, are being brought up. I think to myself, what category does this fall into? And I pull a couple activities for that category. And we work on those together as part of their consequence. Because to me, the consequence is the vehicle to lead to skill development, to lead to learning a new skill so I don't keep doing the behavior that got me in quote unquote trouble in the first place. And so that's what we work at. And we work at the, the skills, right? We work at learning how to address my triggers and the situations in a different way that is going to lead to growth versus kind of staying where I'm at or always doing what I've always done. So a couple things I do this year is I have a chart on my board in my office that has two boxes. One is intent and one is impact. And I work with a lot of students to help them understand the difference because there are so many kids that come in my office. They're like, well, here's what my, here's what I was trying to do. This was the intention. And then we talk about impact and we go even a step further and we have, I have circles of impact so that the student really starts to understand all that's impacted by this. And I say, I can't necessarily change all of that, but I can change the way that you respond or we can change. It's not about me. We can change with understanding and awareness why I was triggered and what I can do instead. And so we do that. Some of my students, you could have them draw it out. You could do comic strips, right? To draw out what happened and then draw out a different way, a different way to respond. Number one is I'm ultimately connecting the behavior and the feeling. So things like you felt this, so you did this. So other options you have when you feel this way are... Because at the end of the day, those feelings aren't going anywhere. They're going to feel angry again. They're going to feel bored again. They're going to feel frustrated. They're going to feel sad. They're going to feel the feelings. But we can change the response through the reflection of understanding why am I responding in that way? Why am I reacting in that way? I teach students the concept. This comes right from ACT, Acceptance Commitment Therapy, of the flat tire. So if you think about a flat tire on a car, getting a flat tire does not mean the world ends, right? It's not fun. You have to call for help. You got to pull over to the side of the road. You got to switch the tire. You got to do all the things, but it doesn't mean that everything has to stop. You can fix it. It might take some time. It might take longer than others, but you can still fix it. Some, it's just a quick patch job. You put some air in and you go. Other times you need a whole new tire, right? There's so many different ways you can take this analogy, but ultimately it's to teach the students that flat tire moments are going to happen. 
And that's what I've learned to, I, I call them with some of the students I work with. And they'll, they'll start coming to me to say, I had a flat tire moment. They're like, all right, let's unpack it. And they lead the conversation because we've done this work where they understand the flat tire moment happened. Now, what can I do about it? And then we understand what led to the flat tire moment. Was there anything they had control of? Because sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes it's as simple as making that, you know, those circles, what's in my control, what's out of my control. Sometimes things just happen that are a flat tire moment because they're they're disappointment, right? They're not what we expected. Can I do anything to change that? Maybe, maybe not. But those are the conversations that we need that we're having. Um, and I also use the analogy. I love analogies, right? I also use the analogy of dominoes. And I will always ask the student, is that the first domino? So when you think about it, right, if I don't figure out the first domino, they're going to keep falling because that first domino is going to keep falling. Even if I set them up again, if I haven't figured out what's starting it, what's leading the, the domino action, I'm going to keep getting that, that domino reaction, right? And so I do, I, we talk about that a lot. Is this the first domino? Are we there yet? And again, this takes time. This, does, this is not something to do in one sitting, okay? All of this is looking, though, at that reflective work. So just to remember, right, it's not, it's more than coping strategies. It's about the teaching of how do I respond to the situations that are happening. And this is not a solely a school thing, right? This is where you really want to build your parent partnerships. I talk to my parents about these conversations that I'm having. Um, if the student has outside community support, we're, you know, connecting with them as well as if we are able to. This is meant to be part of the process. This isn't meant to, I'm going to say it again for more for your plate, but it's, can I look at this differently so that if I'm getting frustrated, right, with a student's behavior, if I'm getting frustrated with what's happening in my classroom, am I, as the teacher or the educator, willing to see it through a different lens so that I can understand a different perspective and maybe try some different strategies, both myself and with the students, to get a different result? right? That's really what it's about. And so if I can expand my own definition of what coping strategies are and that they're not the end result, they're part of the process to regulate emotion so I can teach a new skill for what originally triggered me, I think we're going to get a lot farther ahead with the understanding of student behavior in our classrooms and school settings. That's, that's my two cents, right? Take it or leave it. So Definitely something to consider, right? Do I believe coping strategies are important? Yes, I do. I, they have a place. They are important. But in my opinion, again, just, just me, little old me here on the podcast, it's not to return the student to the regulated state so they can just quickly then return and get back into learning. It's just not. I think for some kids, they can get there, but not for all kids. And most likely the kids that you're probably thinking about, you know what I mean, right? We've got to do something else. And so it is to return the student, in my opinion, to return to a regulated state, yes, but it's so that they can learn about what led them to the escalation and understand that and come up with a different pathway rather than to quickly return to academics. Something to consider, right? As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not done learning about this. I'm going to keep diving in. I hope you do too, right? I'm not done processing this, but for now, this is where I'm at and I would love to hear your thoughts. So the defining moment, again, is going to be more of a reflective one, but I want you just to reflect on how do you currently teach reflection specific to behavior. You could do academics if you want, though. Um, how do you teach reflection to students? 
And if you don't, maybe it's what's one small way. Maybe you'll start incorporating it when you feel aligned to do so. Okay, this is not saying do it tomorrow. When you feel aligned to do it. Do you do it academically? Maybe you do it socially. Maybe you do both. Maybe you're ready to start one over the other. That's for you to decide. And I would love for you to share your journey. I would love for you to reach out. Let me know how it's going. As I mentioned before, if you want to chat more about this, I am here. I would love to know your thoughts. I would love to expand my own understanding because that's where growth comes from. So that's where we're at for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys, I will see you next week with a brand new episode coming your way. Um, Until then, though, keep on loving who you are, owning who you are, trusting who you are. They will help you define who you are each and every day as a human being that you are showing up as authentically. And um, you guys just have an amazing week ahead. And I'll talk to you soon. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.